Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. Sup, I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we do something that nobody else is doing. We review comic books. Something that just doesn't happen anymore, but we do it, and we're the only ones that are. Are people still out there reading these things? Because, you know, I I feel like it's just. I am. You don't read the back of a baseball card or the inside. I went to a Jimmy John's the other day, and they were wrapping up comic books with a new issue of The Penguin. And I was like, whoa, whoa, that's going to be worth something someday. And they're like, yeah, this sandwich is going to be worth something someday. And I was like, you're not wrong. What? Wow. <laughs> I sort of got what you you, you meant. What? I think the like newspaper wrapping up. I don't up, know uh, who to be mad at you or Jimmy Johns. I, I'm Jimmy very Johns always Jimmy Johns. Why don't we jump into the comic books? The Amazing Spider-Man Jimmy's number forty-four Johns. from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells. That uh, Jimmy is a jerk. Art by John Romita Jr. This is the final issue of the Gang War storyline. So what did you think about the storyline and what did you think about this issue in particular? Well, from a purely from a map making perspective, we've gone on quite a journey here. There was all the different territories with all the different people. And now all doomstone. Hey, spoilers, man. Don't mm-hmm. give it away. Absolutely. No, it's OK. You can spoil Justin map. has map always exists. been the yeah. cartographer of the podcast. Uh, other than that, though, what did you think about? You the call content? this cartography is what I said. Um, I I thought it was an upswing from the last issue. I felt like uh, this <laughs> did a little bit better in this issue. I liked, um, you know, the what went down, how it went all went down. It was fun. The people jumping sides and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Romita Jr., so the art's amazing. But, yeah, I felt, as compared to the last issue, I felt like this did a better job of landing the ship and then fun kind of place to leave it where he's like, yeah, I owe Spider-Man. And speaking of which, I'm going to go beat the shit out of him to show him how much I appreciate his help. Great tombstone. Oh, That's thanks, a great man. tombstone. The um, I, I feel like this this event, uh, I liked it from a plotting perspective and like and a, a map perspective and a map making perspective. Really yeah. great stuff. But I do think it didn't really amount to too much. I thought there'd be more. I, I did like there's a nice scene between Spider-Man and his uh, buddy who um, nearly died. Um, so that was cool. But I, it wasn't too much of a Spider-Man story. It felt like we were just witnessing an event. It was a so like we the, the title character, character, this event petered out for me by the hey, end. Hey, hey. Pete doesn't like that. Oh, sorry. Because that's his name. His name okay. is synonymous with slowly failing. <laughs> <laughs> Petering out. Uh, that's not, we get it. Uh, this so really you're strong, but it. I agree with you, we Justin. We know what these, you're talking about. These last couple of issues felt like moving the chess pieces around the board to be until we're like, yeah, Tombstone one. That's cool. And I, I don't really care about 
who is controlling the gangs of New York, but I do you care don't? about these characters. You live and in New York. Yeah, it's What true. I liked about the first couple of issues is the stress on Spider-Man, the focus on Spider-Man. And once again, very true to Zeb Wells' run, we got away from Spider-Man and focused on Tombstone instead in this final issue here where Spider-Man almost felt like a tangential player. I did like everybody showing up to help out. Yeah, I love the fun. moment of Shang-Chi and Iron Fist being like, what? We faced out a tank. You guys didn't know about that, that was thing? funny. Yeah. Very fun bit in there. So I, I didn't hate it. And to your point, Pete, I like the John Romita Jr. art, of course. But this was not, I don't know, this was not the gangbuster ending, not to use a pun, uh, that I was hoping <laughs> for from this. Why don't we move on and talk about Wait, real quick. Or, I, I yeah, just want to say, up. as a New Yorker, um, I want to welcome our tombstone overlord. Uh, oh, nice. And, yeah. And really get to know his uh, particular brand of, of uh, crime. Of crime. Oh, of pizza crime. and crime. Crime and pizza. Seen. Same thing, honestly. If you <laughs> yeah, that's an autobiography. $4 for a slice? Come on. Now that's a crime, huh? Forget about hey. it, says Brooklyn. <laughs> room service run by the Hobgoblin, I believe. Room service number zero from Image Comics, written by James Todd the Fourth, art by Elsa Trevor. This is right off of a Kickstarter that they did to launch this book. So presumably, oh. there's going to be some more issues after this. But this is focusing on a secret society that lets the rich people of the world get away with absolutely everything. It's disturbing. It's upsetting. The Elsa Charetti art is stunning, as it's you might un- expect. Unupsetting. Unupsetting, as you might expect. For, but upsetting you, in love a good ever, way. You know? Love everlasting. Setting up. Great, iconic main character as well. Really good stuff. I agree. I feel like JT4 is killing the game right now. Dupe can't do any wrong. I mean, this is just like a creepy but fantastic story. Love the art. The kind of red villain dude is super cool. I can't wait to read the next issue. Uh, yeah, I, I'm having a blast with this. That's some nice uh, sort of class commentary. Uh, it feels like good little twists and turns in here. You know, mm-hmm. in, in whose side are you on? Are you rooting for the rich person who gets to kill indiscriminately? Or are you rooting against him? I don't know. Whew, good question. Um, why don't we go around and say whether you're rooting for the rich person who can kill without any compunctions and have no repercussions whatsoever, or the regular person who dies. And who is moral and dies. Well, I'm rooting for the guy in the, in the red sachet who is, uh, you know, trying to earn a living working for a madman. You know what I mean? Of course. Pete's got the blue collar back, the blue collar murderer. Who's like, (laughs) Out there, yes, we can. Well, Rosie the murderer. Pete's rooting for Rosie the murderer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Amazon's attack number five from DC Comics, written by Jesse Campbell, art by Vasco George Evan. This issue, we seem to get a big reveal of the villain who has been behind everything, manipulating our Amazons as well as Mary Marvel. I love this series. I think the tone is so fun and dark at the same time. It's not at all what I have expected from the title, but Josie Campbell killing it on the writing. Vasco Georgiev killing it on the art. 
Having a great time reading this book. Yeah, I mean, first off, amazing cover. Like, all caps, amazing. It's hilarious. Mm. You got Of course, you're talking about the sweater weather cover, right, Pete? Nope. I'm talking about the, the uh, Peacemaker this, this looking through the scope cover. Capital S, capital W, capital E, capital A, capital T, capital H, capital bit. E, this is fun capital bit. R. You can stop me at literally Wait, any you, time. I, you you know, trying, I'm trying to stop. I don't know. He doesn't know how to spell sweater. <laughs> <laughs> fucking guy went to he's Cornell. Too, he he's too, tur- he's too turned on by these covers. <laughs> yeah, we should say. Trying to touch his nipples and spell at the same time. Uh, anyways, as I was saying, <laughs> how, this, how do you, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you touch the alphabet on your screen if you're also tweaking your nipples, Pete? Exactly. Explain that to me. What alphabet I, I, on your screen? What is happening? I feel like you can spell. This is a fantastic issue. Hilarious. I, just so Amazing. everyone listening knows, we are also sort of, as an homage, in our sweater weather outfits, <laughs> which is like skimpy tops. And as Pete, because I'm always like, it's bathing suits. And Pete's always like, it's a sweater up top and something skimpy on the butt. <laughs> yeah, this is a hilarious and amazing art. Tons of action, heartbreaking but great. I really am just having a blast with this comic. Uh, I think the uh, the issues. I, I've been liking this this comic more with each issue. I feel like it was a little bit like I couldn't really find the right. the it's strong building. narrative. It was building, yeah, but it was a little bit disparate. And I thought this issue brought it together in such a sweet way. I loved the the tone of. The Amazons being sort of hated and feared around the world, mm-hmm. I thought was really great. And the emotional impact that has was awesome um, with the, the gunshot that happens. I also thought it was an interesting riff. It reminded me of the original George Perez Wonder Woman run, which Ooh. was about a gun. And this was sort of the flip. It was a bullet. And mm. I thought that was such a smart way to take a huge piece of Wonder Woman history and and flip it on its end and have it be meaningful again by having the bullet be sort of the object they're talking about in yeah, the same way yeah, the gun was holding the bullet. Back yeah. In the day. yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, well, I'll tell you, we have Josie Campbell is coming on our live show. Oh next man, we should week. talk to her about this. Well, we'll see. We're going to be talking to her about Boom Studios, I Heart Skull Crusher. But can but we talk I'm to sure... her about Amazon's attack, please? I think we'll skip. Pete, that. if you mention Amazon's oh, or attacking in general. The whole time, be I'm just going to be thinking trouble. about, she's going to be talking about boom, and I'm going to be like, oh, man. Hey, Amazon's attack. Uh, yeah. What? Sorry. Uh, uh, no, they woke uh, up from you. a dream. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I've said too much. How many anyway. rom-coms am I in right now? <laughs> Avengers Twilight, number three from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Daniel Acuna. In this issue, Captain America is attempting to free what remains of Iron Man from the raft and fighting Iron Man of the Wasp's errant son. Now, Tom Brevore hyped up this issue. Shots fired, definitely. Uh, But Tom Brevore has hyped up this issue. He said, first, this is one of the best Avengers issues he has ever edited in the entire time he's been editing Avengers, which has been about 25 years. Um, yeah. He also called this That's amazing. Chip Tzarsi was like, this guy never compliments anybody. Uh, and in his last new les- newsletter, he was like, there's at least two heck yeah moments that'll make you shout out loud. That's a lot of hype going into this a issue. A lot of hype. Do you feel like it paid off on that? 
Well, I, I will say I, I did enjoy this issue and I, the moments that um, are perhaps the most obvious heck yeah, Don heck, heck yeah issues. Hey, uh, moments you in something. here. It, I do that. Well, of course, Don Heck was the one of the creators of uh, Wonder Man. Something I've always yes, we about. all know that. We all know. That. Yeah, we all. Well, know you're that. a Wonder Man fan, so I would. I'm a Wonder Man fan, so I definitely created it. I mean, yeah. Wonder Fan, if you are. Indeed, if I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I think fan, this, if you are. <laughs> this issue, I'm glad I didn't hear about all this hype because maybe it would have ruined it for me. But I really like this issue. I love the art style. It's got this kind of like painted old school feel to it, which I think is great. Um, the kind of older cap is very enjoyable in this great story. I, I had a great time on this issue. Uh, I'm glad I didn't know about all the hype that might have ruined it. But, yeah, this was cool. Yeah, my armchair psych, uh, psychologicalizing, I can't use words anymore, is that Tom Brevoort is definitely feeling like I'm at the end of my Avengers tenure and I'm feeling very poignant and nostalgic for this because I don't know if this is the best Avengers issue that he's ever edited, but it is a good issue. It's a great Chip, issue. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Chip Garcia write some really good action in here. There are, in fact, multiple moments where you're like, hell yeah, this is awesome. I think there's and four, actually. There's four yeah. moments. Really? I, I mean, I'll Do you just name them. detail them? Yeah. Say them. Uh, I will detail them, and everyone's mileage may vary. But I think the uh, bullseye, Hawkeye, yep. well, was okay. great. Yeah. Seeing yeah. the shield was dope. That was okay, very cool. Yeah. Two, two. Ms. Marvel, Stepping mm-hmm. up, I can Ooh, take. Yeah, I can three. carry you all, yeah. and then Thor lightning strike. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, no, that's true. So it's, like, a, it's a sweet Avengers issue. If you're an Avengers fan, it goes in the direction you've wanted since we've had the beginning of this series. Daniel Akuta's art is stunning, I mean, like we've been talking about across the board with this title. So I, I don't know. I'm still like it is. In the shadow of a lot of other things, from Dark Knight to, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the name of Kingdom Come? Kingdom Come, thank you. I uh, it. Kingdom, yes, Kingdom Be- Come. I was going to say particular Beast Wars. <laughs> I was going to say uh, Peggy Sue Got Married, the movie oh, by good Francis Cage. Oh, He's really good at that. Um, yeah, so, but it, it's a good title. If you're looking for a good Avengers title, pick this up. What are we talking well, about? Wait, quick, uh, wait, I was going to say ham sandwich. Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> if you're an Iron Man fan, there's no better Iron Man story this week. And I'll just pl- plot it out for you. Iron Man's a head in a jar who then gets dropped in the ocean. The end. <laughs> uh, uh, Classic. Because we Spoilers, will talk about dude. a better Iron Man issue. What a real demon in a bottle situation, am I right? Hey yo! Lady Black number twenty-eight and twenty-eight point five from Image Comics. The first one is by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, art hey. by Eduardo Ferragato. The second one is by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, with art Weird. by Marcelo Costa. If you guys have been following along here, our main characters uh have been fighting in a trial <laughs> run by this multiversal something or other called existence. Uh, no, not existence. Somebody else is going to have to host this podcast, I think, at this point. Oh, God. 
someone, someone went in and switched and switched all the note cards in Alex's brain wall because he's saying stuff that's close to right, but definitely different. <laughs> Existence, the vaguely softcore pornographic sci-fi movie from the nineties. Yeah, he say. puts like it's Cronenberg, right? Like he puts a thing on his face and it's like really fucked up. Yeah. Really <laughs> I'm grateful. That's a we all have broken brains, but that's a great. Sometimes the pee in the Cabbage Patch doll head. Comes out and has something great. <laughs> anyway, um, they are going through a number of trials to try to prove themselves and save Earth. What we've been following here is initially choose your own adventure is the wrong thing, but like a multiversal path of what uh, Nathan and Marshall would do mm-hmm. differently in these scenarios. They have been branching out farther as the titles have been going, but there's still parallels between the two of them. Here they're facing the third trial and go in extremely different directions. This event continues to be absolutely phenomenal and creative. It is a must read on both issues. If you're into this title, I'm blown away by the creativity that's going on here. Yeah, I I agree. I, I just think it's just structurally amazing what they're pulling off right here. I mean, the art continues to be artistically impressive. Uh, the story is really fun. Tons of action, amazing panels, huge fights. Love the pace, the tone, big last panel we get. This is fun and exciting. And Point 5 is just kind of like you're at the same event from a different perspective with different kind of points of view. It's just awesome. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything that's been said. But is the takeaway from both these issues that like whatever you do, Life sucks. Yeah. A little bit. Well, uh, what they've been positing, the guy, but what they've been <laughs> positing over the first, I think, two months of this event is uh-huh. okay. Here's how Nathan would be better in this situation, and then we got to see here's how actually Marshall would be better in this situation. This one, they both lose. So yeah. one worse than the other. One in yeah. a, a grand less emotional disaster and one in a much more emotional, uh, but less grand disaster. So you could yeah. say that one is a better hero, but also I think maybe the, the, the lesson is the emotional one in, in 28, uh, the characters are reeling from a previous emotional event. So they behave rashly and make mistakes in the other much more organized, but their heroism and success leads to an, a big emotional tragedy. So I think the, all very the cool lesson ideas. The lesson is uh, Marshall Mathers. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, uh, God, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Why don't we move Mom's on to what, spaghetti. what <laughs> if Venom number one from Marvel written by Jeremy what Holt, if art Venom? by Jesus Hervés. This is per the title, imagining what if other people came Venom. In this first issue, we get to see She-Hulk become Venom. And spoiler here, it seems like rather than with What If stories, we're getting to see the beginning and branching off in different ways. This is actually continuing story. So whereas She-Hulk gets into the first issue, we're seeing how Wolverine might end up with it in the second issue. 
But what did you guys think about this one? And I think if we can just parse the cover for a second, it looks Ooh. like we're going to get uh, five different versions here. The first of which is She-Hulk. Then you got Wolverine. Looks like Doctor Strange, Loki, and Moon Knight. Ooh, that's fun. So uh, that's a nice – I like we get a little broadcasting of that. I thought that She-Hulk was an interesting first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels yeah. like very random. But hmm. but also I I appreciated that randomness. It felt really nice to have a character that I would not at all associate with Venom, and the way it was done I thought was really cool as almost like a horror thriller where She-Hulk is unaware of what's happening through a lot and then sort of accepts it and you know falls from grace as a result of it. So a I, nice arc, and uh, I like where we ended up. It, it's a little bit like here's a sad story about a hero you like. See you later. Come back next well, month. <laughs> I think I think She-Hulk's a great choice because it's like if somebody else is going to get the power, who could do it better? You immediately think She-Hulk. You know what I mean? So I but think th- it's she one doesn't those, do it better. I know, but She's, she should. She suffers. I mean, if they were, yeah, I mean, realistically, but yeah, I, I hear you. But I just think that She-Hulk you like is She-Hulk. a great choice because I think you know you have somebody who can wield strength. In such a great way that it doesn't overpower her and make her this kind of like, you know, so I think it was a cool choice in that, uh, you know, just to kind of be like she can wield power a little bit uh, smarter than most. So it'd be an interesting choice. I I like this a lot better than I thought I would, given that I've been a little iffy. No pun intended by the what if titles that have come out recently. (laughs) And I don't love Venom in general, but I thought this was fun. It was a fun book. I don't know the specific continuity, but it seems like Jeremy Holt found a pocket where She-Hulk was working in a place. And if she stayed a little bit later, she might end up walking past the church where Eddie Brock ultimately got the Venom symbiote. So I like that idea. That seems very classic to What If. Um, I also don't love the idea of having continuity with What If, but at the same time, I'm curious to see how this spins out, you know, and how it continues to get worse and worse, potentially, over multiple issues. Have you checked out the television show What If? Uh, Yes, I have watched that. Justin, because there is some continuity there. Uh, similarly, I also thought the art was very nice in this comic. Mm-hmm. Something that I'm the one who always mentions. <laughs> yes, you found it to be super pineapple bananas, right? That's exactly hey, what that's I a saying. I say. That <laughs> that is a saying, says the man who says it. Uh, I also thought it was funny the way that Eddie Brock is just like, ah, this is so scary, <laughs> and he runs out of there. Very funny take. Take on Eddie Brock in this. Yeah, that is a fun take on the Brockster. The last kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. 
Green Arrow, number nine, from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Sean Isaacs. Green Arrow is breaking into the Hall of Justice. Yeah. Hall Hall of of Order, Order. Alex. And I, for one, am happy to. I welcome the Hall of Order. Being in charge Aww, now. You boo. You and would, you dad. Coming face to face would be <laughs> Bell of the Ball for DC Comics, Amanda Waller, the character that they love putting in literally every Everything. single book. Waller it's Green the Baller. She plays hard, baby. Yeah, Green Wall Arrow versus the Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all said, I, I, I like this. Again, I was sort of trepidatious by there is so much Amanda Waller in DC Comics right now, but. This is good having Green Arrow do a diehard. It's probably not a diehard, but like a just a break. Existence. <laughs> <Seven> <laughs> existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah. you know, I'd way. call it more of a Johnny Demonic, honestly. Wow. wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think this was a great issue. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Love the art. Love the action. Some badass stuff going on. Uh, and I felt like it was a cool setup for more to come. And uh, I like, you know, spoilers, but I like the Diggle reveal. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Diggler. Yeah. The, I, I, the event uh, that has sort of left us here with Waller and the Hall of Order and what's coming down down in the future for Waller, I feel like it, it sort of landed with a little bit of like a, a dull thud. It was like, yep, Waller's worse than you think. The and I thought, I thought this issue did a great job of actually telling a good story where there are mm-hmm. like cl- really clear consequences. Peacemaker, who's like the Wolverine of the DC universe, man, this guy's showing up everywhere. everywhere. Put yeah. him in more stuff. Yeah, He's I'm, hilarious. I'm fi- I think just I think there are other options for characters who you can have be even funny and like a dick. Who Lobo? Come on. No, well, space, wait, can space I wolf. jump off of something you're saying? I think I've been very, you know, I didn't read the event Dude, where Waller was on I'm Earth sorry. 3, so I don't know specifically what happened, but I kind of assumed she was taken over by somebody else or there's like somebody else, you know, Ultraman is behind it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe he still is, but I think this issue went a good ways away to explaining why she is doing what she's doing in terms of flipping over the DC universe that I liked. Like I think Joshua Williamson gave her a really good villain motivation here, which was something that we've been lacking thus far. So good issue and kind of a surprising key issue in terms of the uber story that dc is telling exactly yeah. because i feel like josh williamson is great great writer great storyteller but now because of his position at dc like he's got his eyes on the whole story and so i think that just informs so much so this this standalone issue i feel like is just such a win in relation to a, a lot of other issues that are sort of telling pieces this is actually giving us more than a lot of what we saw in in the crossover, even I think. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. And there's some great stuff happening in Green Arrow. We got a little preview of the future things that are happening, and like it's a fun book lately. Yeah, Ice Cream Man number thirty eight oh, from Image Comics, on. written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Marazzo. In this issue, we're following a clone of a guy named Gary. It's not a clone. Who is in a facility with a bunch of other Garys who are doing meaningless tasks. Are they meant for something more? Is there a world outside? That's what they explore here. I'll tell you what. 
Love this issue as usual with Ice Cream Man. Surprisingly hopeful yeah. for an issue what? of Ice Cream Man, which I was shocked about. I'm surprised you said that. I yeah, uh, as the one who mentioned this on the stack that I was looking forward to, I feel wow. like this is another banger ish. Um, I mean, I don't know how they keep doing it. Like every issue, I'm like, they can't live up to this bar that they've set, and they do. Gary number thirty eight. I love you, bro. Yeah, I hope your favorite live, Gary. Live free and happy. You know, I felt bad. Live uh, free or die hard. I always say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that what you always say? Um, yeah, <laughs> but amazingly creepy art. Amazing story. This is always creative. Always delivering. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can't help but feel like Gary a little bit. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, I mean, we are, uh, love this book, love every issue. I think it's the most consistent, original, great bit of uh, storytelling and anthology series with, um, I guess, the the thread of ice cream running throughout. In this issue, it's just literally just ice cream. Uh, well, I mean, what do you eat for dinner, hot shot? Yeah, no. Of course, I'm going to grown up. I have a giant bowl of ice cream. Thank what you. Would you. What would you do, hot shot? Eat ice cream? Speed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're really Alexing out, which, as we know, <laughs> a little bit, is uh, like petering out, but with movie quotes from. Well, uh, so to jump into this specifically, the idea of this issue is you have all these clones. You have one specific clone, Gary 38, it was, who. Yep slowly discovers over the course of the issue that outside of the walled facility they're in, there might be something more. And it's very specifically, at least from my direction, about whatever industry you're in as a worker, why are you doing the thing you're doing? You are doing it every day. Maybe there's something more outside Maybe that you can do better. if you free yourself. Maybe and it's worse. Well, but it it could be, but I don't think that's implied by the book at all. Like, for sure, maybe off paddle in issue two of Gary 38, he runs into a a sea full of sharks or a room of spikes or something like that, I guess. But this is a lot more in line with the other things that uh, W. Maxwell Prince has been doing like Swan Songs and yeah. Clown was the other book mm-hmm. that feel like they're weird and they're dark, but they have slightly more hopeful endings. I believe, uh, the, so I I believe the book was called Ha Ha, but was about Ha Ha. Yes, so. exactly. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I was very surprised that this seems like, hey, you, person who is in dead-end job – Hey, you person who has a dead end job, you can break out of the cycle. You can find something else. Yeah. You which might is not. Be, yeah. You might be a blue collar murderer. You can get to other things. You can have another job. You might there. end up on a dead body of other versions of yourself, but you mm-hmm. might have a couple seconds of freedom and really yeah. get to taste life. That's nice. Pete's taking, Alex is taking the main character's point of view, and Pete, you're taking the point of view of all the dead Garys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to sort of give deuces, you pass a bunch of corpses of yourself. Yeah. Get going. And I, I would also say, like, I, I made this comparison when we had W. Maxwell Prince on the show, but a very George Saunders-esque tone. Mm-hmm. And this issue, I thought, was the most George Saunders of maybe any of them. 
I'm sorry. I'm familiar with uh, Colonel Saunders, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure when you say George Saunders. Yeah. Who Colonel you George Saunders. The um... <laughs> Yes. George Saunders only had uh, 16 secret spices. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Now we're all Alex. I will out. say, <laughs> as constant, we've been fans of Ice Cream Man for 38 issues at this point. It is surprising to me the relative hopeful tint that it's taken over the past couple of issues in particular, maybe by the past couple of issues, I honestly mean past year, I'm not 100% sure, but it was so nihilistic for so long. It was like, Hey, I don't know why. Great news. You're going to die someday. (laughs) I don't know why you're getting your hopes up. He's just setting you up for more. I think it's interesting to look at W Maxwell Prince as a creator. And I think, that's he is saying. looking at things more hopefully. Well, he, these other just for a, half an well. issue, maybe. Like I think it's next been several issues, with the with the exception of whatever those fuzzy creatures were, a couple of issues back, where it was like war yep. is bad. Yeah, <laughs> which was a great issue, but yeah. that was definitely like, hey, we're all going to die in war someday. Enjoy. But a lot of these issues have had a more upward tinge at the end. But yeah, I also but think, I think that, he's. I think that's something he's, with you. he talked. I think he is. What I also think he's trying to add some variety to the to the book. Yeah, so we, exactly. Another thing he talked about when we had him on the show is that he he was sort of like, yeah, I know it's a little like. I think he's like, I need to break up the 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 tone a little bit so we do get the hopeful hopeful moments. But I I don't think it's like I'd be surprised if it was a full upswing where eventually it's just going to be like. Good vibes for the whole yeah, story. Rainbows. And <laughs> yeah, probably. I'll also say, just to steal a page from Pete's book, great cover. One of my favorite covers of the month, yeah. with just all the little Garys crawling. Oh, yeah, that was intense. Terrifying. Yeah, all those, yeah. all those Garys with like sweaters. Yeah, those on. Garys, I tell you what. Some skippy on down below. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Pug Arms Race, number Spider one from Marvel, Pug. written by Cody Ziegler, art by Justin Mason. This is a return. To spider punks to mention where everybody's anarchic. They've killed off Norman Osborne, the Green Goblin, the big villain. So, of course, there are some new villains coming into their wake. Um, what do you guys think about this one? Well, I mean, first off, the art is just uh, worth it for the art alone here. This is just uh, super type bananas and all my catchphrases in one here. I just I love the style. I love this kind if of don't slip. Pip don't yeah. slip. Yeah, thank you for throwing that in there. Yeah, this is just great action, great writing, and it's a lot of fun. Just uh, cool cameos and team ups. I, I just had a blast as soon as I opened up this book. I was like, "Take me away to this punk place." I'm all about it. All punk, punk planet. If if everyone's punk, is anyone punk? You thought about that. Punk. Yeah. You thought about that, Pete? Because I, I will say that is what I felt a little bit reading this. I, I like think about that punk. every day. Yeah. Uh, I, what, how are you punk on a daily basis, Pete? Oh, you don't want to know. Oh, wow. Good answer. Nice. <laughs> Pete's a secret punk. Uh, Alex, how are you punk on a daily basis? Uh, well, I know you guys can only on Zoom see me from a chest up. Below that, it's all safety pins. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've often imagined you that way. Wow. Your poor wife. Nice. That's why you poor are wife, very still. Poor yeah. wife, happy life is what I say. That's wow. what they say. Uh, wow, great. I forgot at all what I was talking about. 
Uh, you were talking about how you're a punk oh, every right. day of your life. I just piss in the corner of every room that I'm in. <laughs> Pretty punk. The, um, but I, first off, I, this takes place. I, I'm in, sorry. I think you're a cat. I think you're a cat <laughs> is what you're saying. Explain the, the difference. Same thing. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Sorry, I don't know the difference. Fair enough. Uh, Puff the punk. I don't know. The, <laughs> the, uh, we, this takes place in Philly. I miss a little bit of the spider punk from um, the animated movie, the Spider-Verse movie, who's like British. This, this guy's Which one. The, the main, the, the primary. The newest one? Yes, yes. Or the one before that? The newest one. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't in Into the, the Spider-Verse. One. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen him. You were just testing about what the names were? Hey, stop quizzing. Give up. You can't quiz us always. It's, it's hard to turn it off. Oh, man. I know. You should see Pat Sajak when he gets home. He's like, oh, spin man. the wheel. And that, his family's like, stop. Stop it. <laughs> I can't stop. Give me a, would you like to buy a vowel? Dad, no. <laughs> this, we're at school. The, uh, so like, I, I miss a little bit of that. This is a different thing. I also felt like Captain Anarchy. I was like, how does that work? How, is, how did Captain Anarchy come about having stars and stripes and an A on the shield? It was just like the the premise felt a little weighed down by just the marvel this of it. Uh, but I actually really like the backup um, story in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to see him be more punk. I want to see him play. Let's have a concert. It this made me, it made me my... long for Spider-Gwen, uh, the series, where it was very much mm-hmm. like the, uh, Spider-Gwen, Mary Jane that, fan. That's a good call. This is... Uh, I'm I'm forgetting who invented Spider Punk, who we had on the show, who had a bone to pick with me because I'd asked about how you do a anarchic character in a corporation like Marvel, who's owned by Disney. But I honestly think that point still stands. You're it is hard to do actual punk and actual anarchy, and I say this as a very stayed uptight white man who does not do punk at all. But at the same time, I think like it's hard to do that in a comic book format. You got to do, and particularly for Marvel, like to actually do a spider punk, you would have to be, I don't know, fed graphics or something like that to make it work. Yeah. So as it is, this is a fun story. I had a good time reading this comic book. Is it punk? Probably not, but and okay. as know. always, Just, we end each review with punk or not punk, and we're going to go with not <laughs> punk on this one. Did you say uh, you were? Did you say you were a stained white dude? <laughs> stayed. Stayed? No, he's like stayed. Stay, like the band stayed. You stay in one stayed. place? No, I'm like the bad stayed. Justin's right. Okay. Uh, it says here Spider Punk created by Dan Slott. Is that who we were talking to? Nope. Interesting. No, uh, it, was, it was whoever wrote the first title, the first uh, Spider-Punk book. Is it the first Spider-Punk series? Yes. Yeah, because that was Dan Slott, like you said. No, I think Dan Slott wrote him into like a Spider-Verse. Yeah, he introduced cross- him in oh, Spider-Verse, but somebody else created yeah, him. I'm it. sorry. I'm forgetting. I apologize. Uh You'll look it up, but The Flash, number six, DC Comics, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Mike Diodato Jr. This is the final issue, the first arc of this horror take on The Flash as The Flash and his wife and the other Flash all fight against the stillness, among other things. 
Man, I love this book. It's so creative. The contrast. This is the first time I think I've seen a real contrast between Barry Allen and Wally West. Yes. Years. Other than like, I'm Barry Allen. I'm a serious guy. And Wally West is like, I'm a funny guy. There's legitimately a difference in the characterizations of them that Simon Spurrier is putting in here, which is so undervalued in comics. I was yeah. very impressed by this issue. I've been uh, loving wait, wait, this Before run. we get too far into this, uh, Justin, is there anything that you were looking up that you want to uh, add? I believe, the, I mean, the person that wrote the first series was Cody Ziegler, the current writer. Oh, okay. so, so maybe Cody. Because Cody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did have Cody well, on the show. He's still going to be mad at me, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad uh, uh, we both are. But good, you and Cody, I'm aligned. The uh, what I was gonna say about this though is, I have been loving this. The idea, I said this on the on the live show that like flashes, the flashes are always like so shiny and like forthright, just trying so hard, and it's about like just I want to be faster, I need to go faster, and then some sort of arcane science. I love that this is like absolutely different it's much more like metaphysical mystical we don't want know what's happening there's not even a mystery to solve like the flashes aren't trying to solve something they're just like what is happening and they're being dicks to each other and wally's like fucking up and i love that i think it's so good i love this sort of like Secrets are a big factor here, keeping secrets, a little bit of addiction, uh, maybe is that we're going to get to uh, family and the secrets you keep within a family. Like, I don't know. I, this is just one of my favorite flash runs in a long time. Yeah, I think I love the tripped out cool covers that we have here. We have some prose, which is interesting. The art, though, I mean, just so tripped out and amazing. The use of yellows and oranges, just some fun panels, some amazing page layouts. Uh, the lady wearing the old dude Halloween mask was such a hilarious kind of weird thing to see in the comic because it's already still. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of it was such a crazy kind of image. That unsettling. Really out to me. Yeah, unsettling. Thank you. It was Jed McKay, by the way, who wrote mm. the first Spider-Pog series, who was very bad at me. And I remember when he came on the live show, he was like, hey, I have a boat, to pick with you. I love that. You know, Jed McKay's my guy. Yeah, exactly. He's your guy. Clearly, I guess, not my guy. I'm sorry, Jed. And I'm sorry, uh, Cody, and I apologize to the whole comic book. No, Alex, do your apologies at the end, like usual. Yeah, Jesus. Okay, I'll hold them until... (laughs) Dead X-Men number two for Marvel, written by Steve Fox, art by Peter Nguyen, Bernard Chang, and Guillaume Arsana. We have a bunch of X-Men who are traveling... Not exactly through the multiverse, but through the Moiraverse, if you Ooh, will. No. The Moiraverse of Madness coming everyone's, soon. Everyone's favorite. You've got an evil Moira McTaggart who is chasing them. They are trying to escape from these different timelines that were created by the Moira engine, which was created by Mr. Sinister. Um, what do you guys think? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they find out they're in the Moira seventh timeline. And uh, yeah, I don't know life. Who, yeah, I don't know who this is for or what this is about or why we're doing this, but I'm glad they stopped to talk to a waterfall because, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't chase them, you but you can chase. stop and talk to them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's right. 
All I would say is please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Yeah, talk to the rivers and lakes. The I, I I will say that when I saw the Moira who's wielding like a badass head axe, I was like, Pete would like this panel. He would like this panel. Maybe. I yeah, I mean it's a badass image. You know what I mean? You got a, a axe with like a cool skull on it cool badass stuff but it's like i i just it, the continuity is so deep and so mm-hmm. weird that i'm just like who's like yeah seventh life of moria what's up that's my well, favorite timeline like fucking so yeah! here's what i throw out at you so the idea here is they jump to the if it is the seventh timeline i don't remember seventh but life yeah Yes, they jump to the seventh life of Moira, and it's supposed to go to one way, but it's been corrupted by this Moira that is following them so that Ultrons have taken over the universe. I like the idea, like we talked about with the first issue, of a riff on Exiles, where you have this team of X-Men jumping through the multiverse, but in this case, they're jumping through the Moiraverse, they're jumping through in different timelines that have been corrupted by this other Moira. That's cool. Is it? Because what I, it you is. just said I doesn't like... sound cool because it's like, you know, it's awesome. Well, so Exiles you know is one of my favorite. Moira. Uh, so, uh... Exiles is one of my favorite underrated titles. It is essentially yeah. Sliders, but with X-Men. Very fun. Really good title. Got into some great character stuff. The thing that worked about that is it had a room to play and really grow characters like room. Blink and uh, I'm forgetting who it was. The guy who had like angel wings and Mimic, angel. I believe. Mimic. There you go. Uh, and other characters like that. Kill some people off. Bring some other people on. It was long form storytelling. This is a short form storytelling with a short amount of issues and so it doesn't it seems quite like work it's as taking well. forever. Well, it doesn't quite work as well because they don't have like nine uh, different timelines or 10 or an unlimited amount of timelines to jump through. It's a limited amount of timelines. I love to explore the different, <clears throat> excuse me, timelines that Moira created when yeah. she reset her timeline. That's a cool idea. We're not getting enough space to play with that here. Well, I think even beyond like Exiles was a premise and then an open world with infinite possibility where, you know, each arc or each issue is them jumping to a new world that they don't know what's happening and they have to do one thing like sliders. Great. This is literally like they have a confined box where it's like, Hey, you have to get close enough to take a psychic informational read on a Moira that's still organic enough that you can pull the information about her 10 lives or whatever. So we can bring that back to professor X who's got his whole own other thing. And then it was just such an info dump, Mr. Sinister. It's, it's so intense. It's so heavy. It's such a tight box and a tight goal for them to do so much so that they've solved, they finished their mission because professor X needed the information for the fall of X book. And in this, they're like, so uh, what else could we do? Should we track down? Um, should, maybe we could solve a Dominion. We can figure out how to beat the Dominion because no one would ever expect the Dominion. It's like, 
how do you beat a dominion? What a dominion is this sort of like Mr. Sinister controlled techno organic space God. And it's like, it's so heady and out of space. And then they don't even do that. They realize that they fucked up the timeline because they gave Moira this information on how to leap between her lives. So now she's doing it. And now they're like, Oh no, we messed up. Here we go. Yeah. It's the thing about exiles is like, it was always, we're trying to get home. You know, it was a very basic Star Trek Voyager sliders type thing. And this, they have a tinge of it, but then they kind of move on to other things. And if it was, we're trapped in this Moira engine and we need to travel through multiple timelines. Awesome. Yeah. Would love to read that. That's not what this title is. But on the positive side, I like these characters. I like the fact that they are jumping through and they're like, oh, no, how do we figure this out? Let's solve this. And then they have to try to do it. It's a nice mission. Would you say your favorite character is the waterfall? Of all the water characters. Yeah, the fall. fall All the water. Yeah. I just want to give it a lot of TLC, honestly. Yeah. No. Boo. I'm sorry that I brought it back up. <laughs> Sorry that I uh, delivered it with my left eye. World Tree number eight from Image Comics, written by James Todd the Fourth, art JT4. by Fernando Blanco. We are finally moving forward here as our main characters get a last will and testament from the character who died, and we're getting our naked lady who now wears overalls. I believe some clothes. Um, it's like yeah, you know, it's for finishing up this wetter weather event. <laughs> In this exactly. Um, what'd you guys think about this one? I crazy cool art. Uh, the mix of mediums in this comic is really impressive. Like the way they kind of have like different kind of styles layered over different the stuff. To make that happens at the end. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so cool and really makes you kind of scared and worried in such a great and interesting way. It's is an intense story with great art. This is a fantastic package. Um, yeah, I agree. It's wild that this um, the premise is maybe what we got in this issue, the eighth issue, which is crazy. It almost felt like a preamble series that sets up the world. And now this is what we're going to be doing from here on out. But it's exciting. The part that I think is funny, it's this book is like scary in a good way. Yeah. And the characters are under threat a lot. It's great. But when they keep talking about the undernet, I'm like, that sort of sounds like a joke. When they're like, beware the undernet. And I was like, undernet. Yeah, I, I, have, I have undernet my bathing suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I will just mention, and this is probably something I should not mention, but I've been watching some episodes of Three Body Problem on Netflix. Ooh, I have pretty. not read the books, but watching the episodes, it was like, huh, this is very similar to World Tree. So Really? Yeah, I want to go back and read the books of Three Body Problem and see how much that inspired this because honestly, there's like a lot of one to ones going on there. Wow, but, interesting. I would yeah. not have guessed that, but I don't know the book and the underlying work at all. Yeah, we'll see. Giant Size Fantastic Four, number one from Marvel, written by Fabian Nusweza, art by Chris Lee. In this issue, we're meeting a secret. King of Atlantis, Lemuria, who is finally able to go to power because uh, 
Reed Richards frees him from an underseas prison. Um, and this is the Submariner from before Submariner, who ruled before a Dom Mariner, if you will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what do you think about this one? I mean, I will say, I feel like the pitch for this is like, Imperious Rex, huh? What if there was a guy? <laughs> and literally, it's like the Namor says Imperious Rex all the time. Let's make that a thing. Uh, so that was uh, funny. I also think it's funny that Reed Richards is like, oh, I know these runes on this door. It says Tomb of Atonement or whatever. And he's like, let's go in. I don't, I feel like that's, he's a genius, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's like number one, number two, smartest person in the Marvel Universe, canonically. I would, I think that's a mistake. Don't push open I, the door of atonement. I think, you know, this this was very enjoyable. You know, at first I was like, oh, it's a submariner. And they're like, no, no, no. This is Natlas. And I was like, okay, all right, my bad. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, they're like, all right, we're going to fight. But then they're like, no, let's talk. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. Uh, great art, fun action. This felt like a classic kind of fantastic four good issue. So I felt pretty good about it. Well, this is also, I think, the first giant size issue that really paid off on the premise of bringing this back mm. because this Natlas character redefines a lot of the mythology of Atlantis. It recenters Namor. The Fantastic Four are kind of side to it because they're like, spoilers here, but they're like, should we have freedom? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Goodbye. <laughs> but yeah. this is something. Versus the previous giant size issues that we've seen, this is something that I feel like people could really pick up on and use and create some really interesting dramatic tension between this character who may be good, may be bad, we don't know, but is trying to reunite all these Atlantean tribes, is a rival for Namor that creates a really interesting texture for the Marvel Universe. Uh, so this is good stuff. I, I, I thought this was a good issue that potentially paved the way for more down the road. It was also funny uh, when they go and like visit Namor in prison. He looks like shit, man. Oh, yeah, he looks like bad. Awful. He looks really drawn. Uh, and his mm-hmm. hairs. You can tell someone is meant to be looking bad when uh, they have strands just, of hair over their face. But- Prison is not just like a gym, you know, where they give you some meals. You know what I mean? There's more to it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks, Pete. Anything you want to <laughs> expand on that? It's not a gym, but and they do give you meals. You said right. Yeah, I I always thought it was a gym that gives you meals. Yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> I'm one pissing in the corner away from that getting thrown in jail. So I'll let you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say you, you can only do it so many times. It's like yeah, the punch yeah. card at free coffee. I'm up at nine pissings, and they're gonna <laughs> toss me in jail if I do it again. You're gonna get a free one pretty soon. Hey, the here's penguin. the thing. Here's the, Alex. Yeah. They're all free. The way I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep having to pay for them. What's that about? The penguin number seven from DC Comics. Where are you putting the money? quick. <laughs> 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 I can't I can't uh reveal that. Written by Tom King, art by Steven Subic. This is uh, the second issue jumping back in time showing us 
how the Penguin and Batman have always been working together and completely redefining the relationship. Uh, spoilers here, but by the end of the issue, we find out that the Penguin has always been a mole for Batman. He is identity as the walk walk I'm wearing a peg uh, monocle coming up with crazy screams thing is all something that he worked up with Batman and in fact a lot of the things that he's done have not been crimes at all they've just been sort of fronts to get the heat off of him uh, that's a wild big swing from yeah. Tom King but I'll tell you what it works Tom Qu- King big swing the uh, the way penguin but, <laughs> exactly we're all saying stuff the 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 way that I I think this is a good story I think it's funny though like it it's a little bit undercutting to be like oh this interesting stuff I wear it's dumb I just put it on to look dumb I was like oh I thought the whole thing was he was a little bit of a weirdo and it was like it, it's sort of like almost retconning the iconic nature of this character to now he's just like, eh, this cigarette holder. It's, he kind of just did a Kaiser Sose kind of bullshit where he's like, yeah, I've been faking it this whole time. Batman's dumb as shit. Um, I, I, I love the art. The stylized look of this art is really cool. It sets a cool, twisted Gotham kind of tone. Uh, for this Penguin versus Batman that's coming up, I'm I can't wait till we get to the kind of action that we got teased really early on. Um, yeah, right now it's just a lot of talking. Um, I, I I like this series. I'm not trying to talk it down, but another issue I was thinking about when I was reading this is I feel like so many of our Batman stories now are like okay, it's in the past, and that's where Batman was doing stuff. And I was like, why can't we tell? What is what is wrong with Batman in the present that yeah, we're not telling today. that we're not telling these stories, these like more definitional stories in a present day Batman setting? I don't know. I think that's what Chip Zdarsky is getting towards in Batman. He's brought him to his lowest point where he's in prison next to the Joker in prison by a robot alternate identity version of himself. But. And I, oh, I think that's story. very cool, too. Yeah. And maybe that is the reason why. It's like Batman is so far down the continuity pipeline that he's like, I have a Zurin R personality I'm fighting against, and I'm fighting against this robot version of myself called Failsafe, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's that maybe it's like, you know what? That, keep doing that. I'm going to go back to when he just had a cave. <laughs> Do you yeah. think there's a possibility just because we got Zurinar over in Batman, and I know we haven't been religiously reading detective comics, but that's dealing with the whole Thomas Wayne evil version of Batman. Yeah. Do you think this is another example of trying to think how to phrase this, but like people not knowing what to do with Grant Morrison, like Grant Morrison being like, here's one million ideas. Yeah. It is Batman. And then everybody being like, all right, I'll pick up on that, I guess. But well, I do think we're headed for similar to the X-Men universe, not quite as intense where it's like they're headed for a hard reset. So it's like, Hey, get your, get your zoomies out. Writers, let's get wild. <laughs> let's kill some folks in weird ways, like a book we're going to talk about in a little bit. And maybe the Batman stories are doing that. It's like, let's go hard, go deep, because in the recently announced event 
absolute power. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. the end of that's going to be like a whole very big flag in the ground. Here's a different version of a lot of these characters. Resurrection, and, and uh, I'll also mention it's not like we're not getting Batman stories where you're like, I'm Batman doing Batman stuff because there are one million Batman books that come yeah. out any given month. Resurrection of Magneto, number two from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Luciano Vecchio. Storm has headed to mutant hell to get <laughs> Magneto out of it. In this issue, they chat about it a bunch and ultimately break out of mutant hell and find. Maybe who has been manipulating things and been holding Magneto there. Um, what do you guys think about this one? Well, first off, I love the kind of like almost 80s look we got to Magneto in this. It had real old school uh, vibe to it, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and he was cl- crying blood, which is it's tough to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I just think that... Uh, this, there was a lot of fun monsters in this ish and great art, and I'm not sure what's going to go down, but it's interesting, and I'm having an interesting time. I feel like all those blood tears. Do you, would you expect? I really wanted to see him stuff two Kleenexes in his eye sockets, like it was a bloody nose, mm-hmm. and just like yeah. holding the edge of the sockets. Oh my god, to- <laughs> that was such a gross visual, dude! Why did you do that to me? These are just oh. the thoughts. Oh my god! These are the, these are the ah. takes. Uh, it is. He just never wipes ah. his face, but because and then pulling it out with the oh, that would just be because usually going to be oh. some clotting. Yeah, and uh, it might stick to your eyelid, and you're trying to pull out the tissue. Oh, stop, man! Yeah, it's gross. But that's what happens. That's why you don't cry blood tears unless you're Magneto or that one dude from Casino Royale. Uh, big tell. Oh yeah, big tell. Was he yeah, in Mutant Hell? Maybe. He the, probably is. Uh, this this book is I, I like this issue a lot. Man, this is epic, like Phantom of the Opera, like organ scored yeah, really comic is, book writing yeah. here. It's like like very epic. I liked all the the nameplates thing was cool. And Resurrection, this is redefining Magneto as like a hero, like maybe the mm-hmm. biggest hero of the X-Men, like going so hard here that I, Magneto's getting more in a, a classic comic book inversion. Professor X is compromising his morals. He'll do it for breakfast. He'll do yep. anything to keep his. Yeah. He'll sell anybody. His yeah. plans going. Give a fuck, Magneto. Man. Meanwhile, is like, I could have saved more people. Like, it's just like such the flip. And I think that's interesting. I don't know. And one of them is a hero and the other is supposed to be the villain. You know what I mean? But both mm. heroes now. Hackslash back to school. Number three back from image school. comics by Zoe Thorogood. This is following Cassie hack back in the day as she is joined together in a school for slasher hunters. In this issue, they're tracking down a giant spider body horror type thing at a strip club. Um, this series is great. Spider boobs, man. Spider boobs. Spider boobs. Spider boobs. This is, we talked to Tim Seeley about this a little bit on last week's live oh, show. Oh, we should have talked to him about it. <laughs> and <laughs> doesn't even make sense. Got you there. 
And and this is great. Like, it's just, it's very idiosyncratic to what Zoe Thorogood likes to do. The art is gorgeous. It's a fun adventure. There's some great character stuff that happens throughout here as well. Really enjoying this book. I agree. Fantastic. You know, I know what you're gonna say. No, no, no Vlad. Vlad. Yep, Vlad's pushed to the side. Yeah, for like a panel, and he's like, "I guess I'll just go back to my hut." You're like, "God damn it, man!" I, I I get it. We're doing a bigger story, and not everything can have everybody. But just, uh, I just need a little more Vlad. You Vlad know? is bad. Cassie is sassy. Okay. Great. Uh, Punisher <laughs> well, number four. I already said it was good. Great. Yeah, there we go. Punisher number four for Marvel, written by David Propose, <laughs> art by Dave Wachter. This is the final issue of this series. We don't really know when the new Punisher is oh. going to show up again, but we're getting Joe Garrison versus the new Jigsaw as they both accept their new identities. Pete, as the number one Punisher fan, why don't you take this away? Stunchucks. I knew you were going to say that first. Stunchucks makes no sense. I love the idea of it. Wait, you don't I like Stunchucks? No, I don't like Stunchucks. Oh, wow. Because it doesn't make any sense. For a stun thing to work, you got to kind of press it up against them. Nunchucks, you're just hitting them lightly. There's no real... Oh. Way you can get a stun effect. Yeah, I think the, I, mean? I think they're, he's trying to he's hitting people a little bit harder with these nunchucks. Are you saying that I don't hit people hard enough with my nunchucks? I Is guess, that what you're trying to? Say? I guess you don't. Well, maybe you're you're using nunchucks. If you hit that, but then you got to hold the, the. You know, it just to me. I love the idea of it, but I laughed out loud because I was like, you can't have stunchucks. It doesn't make. It's not yeah, continuity wise. I don't see <laughs> that we can do some sort of stun chuck. <laughs> okay, a fair, fair point. Fair is, it, point. is this continuity? Because you're saying it's physically impossible. Is that like that's what I'm saying? That's yes. like the continuity yes. of reality. It's physically impossible to use stun chucks, and the reason is that stun chuck. A known weapon used by ninjas all over, as well as myself, does not touch a man. For long enough, long to, stun enough to stun. And also, a stun has to have like a point of, you of gotta contact. You've got to push up your glasses when you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be. What's that like? I, I understand. Yes. I am. I'm glaving out over here and uh, being too much of a nerd about it. But it just kind of pulled me out of the story a little bit. Um, but again, I, I stand behind it. It's a fun idea. It's a fun <laughs> yeah. idea, but it just doesn't. I, I want to say I was pulled out of it as well for the exact same reason. Go ahead, Justin. <laughs> Honestly, like every other thing that happens in this book makes total sense. Only the stun chucks was the real uh, breaking point for me. When he drives that motorcycle through glass. And oh, falls, yeah. And the, the villain, stories, the lands, villain yeah, no problem. gets impaled with by a giant spike and then talks for another five minutes. I was like, sick organs, dude. Really working, dude. <laughs> Yo, you got sick organs, bro. Yeah, sick organs. You got, like, your organs are really impressive. What they I will say, up. I've enjoyed this series. Me I too. don't know what their plans are for Joe Garrison going forward, but this new take on Jigsaw is a very fun take. I love and Very that. modern and interesting. Um, Joe Garrison finally identifying, you know, accepting his identity yeah, accepting as little, little bit, yeah. Punisher. I thought it was really good character moments and well drawn by Dave Wachter. So good series. I'm not a big Punisher fan like 
Pete over there, but I had a fun time reading this one. Yeah, I I agree. Like I liked his moment of kind of like battle cry of owning the Punisher monocle. So I thought that was a real cool kind of thing <laughs> and well earned. But um, I, I know I, think I know you, I know you just did like a little Freudian slip or whatever. But the idea that Punisher has a monocle <laughs> is very you just love it. You the like it, Punisher right? monocle. He own, yeah. he owns the Punisher monocle. He bought it yes. at a at a store, at an antique store. <laughs> All right, why don't we move on to Jill and the Killers, number two from Odie Press, written by Olivia Quarto Briggs, art by Quartero Briggs, uh, art by Roberto Ingranada. This is the second issue following, um, obviously, (laughs) following up on a group of teens that are investigating a big mystery that turns out to be a real mystery. It's the second issue following a character named Jill and some Killers from Odie Press. No. Uh, anyway, we talked to Olivia about this on a couple of shows back, uh, so check it out in the podcast feed. But very fun mystery. I'm having a good time reading this. Uh, this is twisty and interesting. It's funny at turns as well. What do you guys think? Uh, it's too bad we can't go back in time and talk to her again because I have so many more questions. But I think this was very enjoyable. Uh, I loved all the fun kind of twists and turns. And it does a great job of getting you excited for more. Also, the art is uh, extremely enjoyable. It's hard to balance the tones that we're talking about here of like keeping a, you know, intense, scary murder mystery or, or future murder mystery going while also right, like right. doing a ton of jokes. And this book does it. power pack into the storm. Number two from Marvel written by Louise Simonson art by June Brigman. We've got the power pack is teaming up with a chameleon and a snark fighting against a bunch yeah. of broods. Meanwhile, Franklin Richards is trying to coordinate a bunch of folks, including uh, white maiden sentient ship. Uh, does that make any sense to anybody who isn't reading Power Pack back in the 1980s? I don't know, but it makes sense to me. This series feels like Power Pack. Th- this series feels like it was a uh, like a Saturday morning cartoon in like the mid 80s, where you could just like do a ton of coke and write whatever you want, and they were like, "Got it, and drawing it. It's on the air tomorrow." Because it's wild what's happening here. And they're like, no, no, we got to go to my dream form has to go to space to battle the brood ship with these uh, anthropomorphic animals who are from space. Don't tell mom. (laughs) Okay. I got I got some questions. So do you think that like a writer back in the day, the heyday that you're talking about was like, man, I can't come up with any ideas if only there was this kind of white pottery substance that would just jolt my brain with like insane ideas. Yeah. Could create creativity dust. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, the brood ship design is very cool and very fun as a power pack fan from back in the day. I'm having a good time with this Duke number three from image comics slash skybound art by Joshua and written by Joshua Williamson, excuse me, art by Tom Riley. Duke is in prison with the Baroness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Baroness. Nice job. And a bunch of other folks are coming to kill him at the same time. Pete, your IGI. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yo, Joe. Uh, Yeah. Were you going to call him a GI Jane? Because that's going to get you slapped. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this. Major blood, cool stuff, um, fun Baroness reveal. D- Duke's dealing with some stuff, man. All right. I, I, great art, great action, fun last panel. This is just a blast. Uh, I don't know if it hits as much as you don't know if you don't know the characters and the names and stuff. But um, I'm really enjoying this kind of like Duke who's got some PTSD he's trying to work through and trying to figure shit out. So I don't know, man. I, I like the uh, quiet guy in the corner of the cell that you don't want to make angry. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is great. I love just the – it's such an intentional, like, art design and type of comic. Like, the the red backdrop for the invasion. Like, it feels yeah. – it has that animated feel of the cartoon while still bringing all this other cool, more modern stuff to bear and setting Duke up as a hero. But I agree, like, when you're like – when someone's like, look, it's me, uh, the – Mr. Blood. And I'm like, uh, Major Blood, dude. Okay. Oh, uh, he's a mage. He got promoted. I knew him as Mr. Blood. <laughs> yeah, you, you know him before he really uh, found his But scholar. in the army, I think you start as a Mr. And then you get promoted <laughs> to, to become a major. Mr. Minor, Major. I think yeah, you I come think, in, they're yeah. like, your drill sergeant's like, okay, Mr., come on in. Apocalypse Now, they're I like, know. you Mr.'s are in big trouble. I think they call I think them that's maggots. A quote. Maggots, that's what I'm thinking. So it's maggot blood. I agree with you that I feel like there's a little bit of some reveals going on here that, I don't know, it's very hard to parse nostalgic familiarity with things because, Mm -hmm. like, I think what worked about the issue, first issue of Void Rivals is, to be honest, I did not know which Transformer that was, but the surprise of oh, there's a Transformer here was enough. And there have been a lot of things throughout Transformers where it feels like, oh, this is an oh shit moment because of what it means for the characters we're reading, whether you know it or not. Duke right now, even though I like it, the Tom Riley art is great, is leading a little bit into flip page reveals of, and here's this character, which... I just, I just don't know them. So, yeah. Know. So, but you're like, you, tra- is that traffic cone? And it's sometimes it is. <laughs> oh man, trash can roadblock. It roadblock you asshole. Trash can. I'm pretty sure its name is traffic cone. Printer cartridge. Mister Softy. The Mister Softy. <laughs> oh, oil man. slick. Uh, Carnage number four. Isn't there one named Oil Slick? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Guy, man, Alex, you nailed snow it. Snow job. Yes. Oh, we all know about snow job. <laughs> He's got that white powder, right? Sweater Carnage number four from Marvel, written by Torin Grodback, art by Per Perez. In this issue, Carnage is coming face Carnage. to face with Flash Thompson, and uh, things do not turn out the way that you might expect. This series is going so much harder than I thought it would as a person who does not particularly like Carnage. I do wish it would go back to the weird religiosity of the first three issues, but at Mm. the same time, the anti-Venom Carnage fed in this issue was pretty badass. It's funny you say that because I I liked the sort of culty nature of Carnage that was going on for a while there, but I thought this was great. This issue really plays to me like a Joker 
Batman issue. 100%. And it's great in that way. Like it really puts Carnage as just a great foil to, to Flash Thompson, who is like just not prepared to deal. Like he's at a loss of the whole issue, but it's done in an interesting way. And, you know, it's a real it's, uh, Carnage is a tough character for me to get on board with because he's always just like, I'm crazy and I kill everyone. And in this, it feels like there's a little bit more there. And it has like that Joker quality to it that I was really excited about. I, I agree with uh, the Zalbatron and the fact that uh, this is really badass. Great. Rare Flavors, number four, from Boom Studios, written by Rem V, art by Felipe Andrade. This issue, we're dealing with the fallout of our main characters who are a demon who eats people, and the guy who has been tasked with doing his documentary, realizing, (laughs) oh, they know about each other now, or more specifically, the documentarian knows about the demon. Um, And what do they do about that? Now that they have the information, this is my favorite issue of this series so far, because it feels like it's finally moved past the preamble, and we can get into the really good character stuff. do you think it's because after like a really good meal, it's maybe anybody can kind of like talk things out and be okay with, you know, who they are? It's true. I mean? 100%. Especially when, when you're I, eating human. When, yeah. Oh, yeah. And any Thanksgiving, when, I, when people are like, do you want to cut the turkey? And I'd be like, I want to fucking cut you. Oh. Well, yeah. And Alex then we got to deal with that. We yeah. got to deal with that and get past that and then have pie. It was a little weird to me, though, that it was like, he finds because you know the last issue is like oh shit what's he gonna do and he's just kind of like oh okay so you have a sad backstory and I can understand that you know being a starved little demon had to be really tough all right yeah now I'm cool with it let's make a doc I was a little I I felt like I wanted there because we spent so much time without him knowing and now that he knows and he was immediately like same issue like let's do this i got a great meal in my belly i was i wanted to kind of be like all right let's battle with this a little bit before uh, i think there's something else going on there there's too much of a quick turn in that character in our documentarian yeah so i think there's more to spool out over the next couple of issues. So you're saying when he walked towards the beach to think like more things happen than we know about in his brain. Okay. But the thing, you know, my grandmother always used to say nothing humanizes people more than sitting down for a meal and eating human. (laughs) So like, I think that's what, that's what this is all about. I got a lot of questions about your upbringing. And we don't have time. We have other sense. We have other comics to talk about. Did your grandma dump people down a well? Wolverine number 44 from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy and Victor Laval, art by Corey Smith. We are picking up with Sabretooth having killed Quentin Quire, seemingly, though he's actually a disembodied head at this point. Also having killed Dokken and maybe one of the Sabretooths. Uh, well, they haven't killed Laura slash X-23 yet. They've ripped up her jaw. And now Wolverine wow. is getting his hands and feet sewed back on so we can go yes, after them. 
uh, yeah, this uh, crossover continues to be wild. Well, th- this is the first issue where I'm really back on board here because uh, I'm glad that we finally sat in the history of Wolverine and Sabretooth. It's almost a touching tale uh, uh, of these two. So I'm glad that we kind of got a little bit of that um, in this kind of heightened battle royale on Wolverine's birthday, which is kind of a sweet the thing that uh, Sabretooth every year on his birthday, you know, goes to visit his buddy. Um, but yeah, it's like when we went to see the too- movie for your birthday, Pete, and then you sat in a different theater. <laughs> that was a nice, you know, if you weren't such a dick afterwards, I would say it was an unbelievable, maybe the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me where it's like, hey, I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do because it's your birthday. Why don't you go see the movie you want to see? And then, you know. What about when I came to visit you on your birthday and I killed your girlfriend, Silver Fox? <laughs> yeah, that was really hard, and I've never you've forgiven you for that. Yeah. I, you know, reading this issue that's so Sabretooth focused, I almost expect to see Iron Fist show up because I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, Sabretooth <laughs> first appeared in Iron Fist number 14. <laughs> I, oh, wow. So I'm that's glad just, that, you know, when you're doing, when you're reviewing comics, it's important to do the research. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta know the history. That's what it's all about. Continuity. You know, human history is just our continuity, and like mm. this continuity is. is so when you're about. saying human history, you're talking about Wolverine. Yeah. No, I'm talking about our real life history. Like we, oh, just, okay, and that's bad. our continuity. Like a continuity Not thing really. we have about the movie theater. That's right. why I, got I, don't, it, right? I don't really have anything to my life except si- comics, so that kind of is my got to do. Yeah, I was silly trying to tie it back to the comic book. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's anyway, crazy. good book. What we I do enjoy this so, yeah, a lot. The up. art is like a lot of body horror, fun stuff there. And like I said when we were talking about some earlier stuff, the the X Men universe is going so hard right now, and it's fun to watch it. Just like. Go, like being intense in a way that it not it's not usually the the mug got me. I mean that was a that was a gut wrench. Oh uh, yeah, great uh, scene. No better yeah. gift than a mug. I said Road number nine from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Gabriel H. Walter. We're following two people who are on a weird angelic purgatory we don't really know road trip trying to deliver something last issue that something hatched into a tiny little mushy angel or again something like that finding out a lot more about the mythology here as well as our main characters i thought this was a great issue again drawn really well by gabriel schwalta but pete you're pumping your fists take it away Oh, my God. What a fucking great issue this is. Oh, my God. When you think, uh, you know, the story just like keeps changing. It keeps getting crazier. And you think like, OK, well, this uh, now we've got to be at a settling point. Right. Nope. No, man, this really cranks us up to 11 here. Just I can't say enough about the art. Just so spooky. The stillness that it shows, mm. I know it's a still medium, but like still like uh, just uh, really impressive, creepy yet amazing. This continues to be such an impressive read. And what I mean by that is like every time I open it, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to fucking get here. And I'm still having a great time. Uh, yeah, I agree that the covers establish that stillness you're talking about, Pete, in such a good way. And then the comic reads fast, 
but it yeah. it is just such a like nice chill pace to it. Great emotional moments, but man, this book just doesn't tip its hand. It's no. so like specific with what we're getting in each issue, and we just we're getting enough to keep us in the story. But I still am like, no idea what's going on. Yes. Not a clue. But you're having a great time. You're 100%. not like, oh, this is so frustrating. It's, yeah. And that's confident comic storytelling. Yes. Cable number two for Marvel, written by Fabian Nesueza, art by Scott Eaton and Lana Medina. In this issue, our two cables, Young Cable and Old Cable, are fighting against Grey Gargoyle and then exploring a bigger mystery involving some tech that's attacking the Marvel Universe. It is very funny to me that they keep specifying every issue. By the way, this is different from the tech thing that's going on with the rest of the X-Men. We're doing our own thing here. Just us two cables. Got to be clear. Got to be clear. But at the same time, Fabian's having a lot of fun with these two cables. I'm really enjoying writing it. uh, Writing it. Reading it. I'm really... (laughs) Spoiler. Reveal. Uh, The fight with the Grey Gargoyle is ridiculous. The rest of the uh, issue is like... Mostly leading towards bits, and yeah, uh, I, I'm key having a pie. good time. Yeah, exactly. Four slices of key lime pie is shocking. That's a lot of pie. Much. That's like a whole pie. Half pie? That, it's glorious, that's a half depending pie. on the depending that's on a glorious the depending slice. on the pie. But key lime is, uh, I mean, that's too much key lime. It's uh, a great pie. First though, right? off, absolutely. No. Have you ever had a Have you ever had the chocolate covered key lime pie on a stick from Steve's? I have. I actually. This is a maybe the worst flex. I know key lime pie, Steve, and have known it for like fifteen years. <laughs> Why is that the worst <laughs> flex? Because it's the a, best flex. You know so, Steve on a stick. That, oh <laughs> stick God. Steve. For those of you who have no idea uh, what we're talking about, congratulations. But second, um, key, key lime pie, Steve. Steve's Key Lime Pie is like a Brooklyn Red Hook thing. And when I bartended and hung out at a bar over there, I he was a regular and know him very well. Ah, that's awesome. And was Those he key just like drunk so at, good. at the end of the bar going like, I love pie, but man, it's just not. I, I wanted something that's easier to eat, you know, just something you can kind of pick up with your hands a little bit, you know. I will say those are very good, but uh, the chocolate. Too much. I prefer just the graham cracker really? and, and lime. Interesting. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, great review of cable a, number two. But, so talking, talking, about, oh, wait. talking about cable yeah. number two, I thought for sure we get this reveal of a villain and cool mm-hmm. villain. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure it was going to be Strife. And I wanted it so bad mm-hmm. to be Strife because then they're oh, all man. the same. It's all the same dude doing it. I but, thought it was going to be Key Lime Steve. Yeah. And it wasn't. That guy's a villain. But, but I, let me ask oh God, you guys: Would you rather be young you hanging out with old you, or old you hanging out with young you? Ooh, that's Ooh. tough. I gotta go young because at least you're like, this is what old me looks like, and I can make some better decisions. Or old, it's just got to be so fucking frustrating, man. Yeah. Because that young guy ain't fucking listening to shit, and that's gonna drive you fucking nuts. Yeah. Anyways, cable. Hold on. You said young, and Alex, you're saying old. You'd rather be old because you'd be like, I'd rather be old. I feel like I am more aware of what's going on in my life and my surroundings as a old person than a young person. 
That's oh, that's interesting. I would rather be young because, like, I feel like if I was old, I'd be like, oh, this idiot's got so much shit to do. Uh, and he would be annoying because you'd always be thinking about all the things. But if you're young, you can just be roasting old you about how old you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> would you hook up with yourself? Yeah. What? Kiss, kiss a little. That's not, that's not <laughs> even a large side of thing. Explore. Yeah, play around, uh, piss in the corner. If we can get back to the comic a little bit. <laughs> you know, this cable good stuff. versus the gray gargoyle was fun. And then the cable and young cable, you know, got a little bit weird, but all right. But the thing at the end, which drove me nuts because it's like a stupid Zalbin joke uh, where it was just like uh, always womb at the top. I was like, boo, like, don't don't get cute. With the fucking wording at the I end was, of the that, that that joke that definitely caught me sucked. off guard because I that was like sucked. all drama, all like big sort of scary reveal, and then like yeah, and then wild like pun joke. at the end. Yeah, yeah, I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. All right, what about what do we talk about? Undiscovered country number twenty eight from Image Comics, written by Scott Skyder and Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Cabancoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. We're really getting to it here as we're getting closer to the center of the spiral. In this issue, we find out even more about the mythology of the world, as well as our main characters. Maybe one of them dies by the end here. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Pete? Very Looney Tunes uh, issue here. The old train going off the cliff one. So, uh, yeah, I think this was, uh, you know, continues to be amazing art. Very creative storytelling, tons of twists and turns. We've been through so much with this comic, and it's still uh, just as kind of creative and cool. I'm not bored with it or anything like that. Um, I just thought the the old uh, train off a cliff was a little kind of uh, I don't know. It just caught. I was like, man, what are we? What are we? The fucking coyote over here? What's going on with this? <laughs> wow, that's a bridge too far. Just like yeah. stun chunks. That's the stun chunks of this comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the This is a wild. It's so, like, mythological and crazy. I mean, something we've talked a lot about. You can feel it building toward an end now, and I think that's nice. Yet still introducing wild concepts like these uh, people, these workers who are genetically bred in the Midwest to be absolute, like, giant meatheads is very fun. The Invincible Iron Man, number 15 from Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Chris Lee. In this issue, Iron Man is finally fighting back against Ark Orcus um, alongside White Queen. I want to go to Justin, who uh, is our romance reporter, to talk about this one. What you fucking think? bullshit, man. Why? I, I love this relationship. Pete, you don't believe in love. You don't believe in this tone. Whoa, whoa. That's Stark, not, Stark that's not true. love. I don't believe in this relationship. You can't say a blanket statement like I don't believe in love, motherfucker. This is back the, up your truck. This is love. The, I really like this relationship. We get sort of a moment here where it's like, uh oh, are we not revisiting this? And they better. I I know it's going to get crazy with whatever is going to be happening exactly. to these characters, but this is the most fun pairing in Marvel Comics right now. Please keep this going post. X-Men smash up. It's an interesting match for sure. And I'm really impressed with how much I don't hate it because I'm like, <laughs> this is a train wreck of a relationship, but it's actually 
showing different sides of them in ways that I wasn't ready for. And uh, I was, I, I've been impressed by it. Pete, I will say, uh, hold, hold on to that line. I think that'll be great in uh, your next relationship. I'm really impressed that I don't hate this. <laughs> you think I should use that later? I Is said, that hold on to it. That's a banger. You use that in real life? Yeah, yeah, you're trying to hurt me, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> it's too bad we couldn't talk to the Dukes about this, because it'd be fun to get it. He's uh, going to be on the show in March, but I understand that that cuts deep, so why don't we move on and talk about Deep Cuts, <laughs> number five, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. Once again, art by Judy Ba. This is not a Radiant Black tie-in, despite what you might think. Instead, oh. this is an ongoing anthology about jazz, and in this issue, we're getting a jazz critic who is struggling with a new jazz player and whether he can understand his music. Um, I was a little off the last issue, to be honest with you. I found it a, a little hard to hook into. This one was great. I really yes. yeah. the journey Start we went on finish. here. I thought uh, Judy Boss art was awesome. Yes. It's so fun. Um, there was a great sense of humor here as well as we followed this critic in yep. his journey towards understanding everything. It's a little bit like Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, but not a road trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I just heard a really good time reading this one. I agree. agree. This really uh, got me so back into this. Um, you know, the last issue I was like, oh, I'm not sure. But this really just kind of put me back on this train of loving this comic. And uh, the mood, the tone, the the way it shows music in a panel, really so impressive, so creative. Uh, I was just really impressed with the ride that you go on in this issue. You kind of get this critic where you're like, what's this fucking guy's deal? But man, really, really just... Impressive writing, impressive art, great storytelling, and such an amazing package. Deep cut, deep cut. This, uh, I, I, this is one of my favorite reads um, uh, right now. Ongoing comic, like deep explorations of a, one particular story each issue, different art style each time. Great character work, great storytelling. This one has a, like an almost famous vibe. If you're familiar with that mm-hmm. Cameron Crowe movie. And um, it's just one of it's one of the more unique books on the stands when it comes to like, oh, this is not this this type of story isn't told very much. And to have such a focus on music while also getting into deeper philosophical and existential uh, commentary is really great. Yeah. Last, let's talk about The Immortal Thor, number seven from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Martin Coquello. This is the second issue of this arc where Thor and Loki are jumping back to a origin story, and we find this is the first time they engage with the Utgard Loki. Utgard. It also weaves through a bunch of real Norse myths and gives them a little bit of a Marvel sheen. What would you guys think about this one? Uh, Amazing art. Love the splash page and giant panels, cool monsters in action. Uh, weird that it like turned into an eating and drinking contest, uh, but fun-ish. So uh, I'll just mention those are actual Norse myths that they were playing with here. Um, that whole thing about the contest, it's obviously a little different in the Norse myths, but they tweaked it and played with it. The whole thing, spoiler here, but about like, who can consume all? It's fire. Who? What am I drinking? It's the ocean. Those are all directly from Norse myths. So there you go. 
Uh, yeah, this was great. I I really like where this is heading with the meta comic book. The villains gathering around, being like this this idiot. The meta we can beat him. Weird, uh, that's really fun, and I'm excited to see that that next phase happen. And if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter slash X comic book club live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Club. Stay warm out there because as always, it's sweater weather. All right. Yeah.